Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Morning, everybody. Well, I say it every year, God bless Texas. Now, I've said that for... Lord, I've said it for so many years I lost count as an oaky, but I'm not an oaky anymore. I'm a Floridian. <laughs> God bless Florida. <laughs> Woo, I love Florida. Uh, now, we're in the middle of the state. We're in Lakeland, Florida, right in the middle between Orlando and Tampa. And uh, we have a lot of rednecks in Florida. And uh, because on the coast, that's where all the yuppies and the yippies and the hippies are out on the coast. <laughs> But in the middle, we've got real people. We're the eighth, we have the eighth leading cattle producing state in America. We got a lot of cowboys down there and rednecks and cowboys. And so, uh, so I love Lakeland and uh, people ask, well, you love Florida? So, no, I love Florida. I love God. I love my wife, but I almost love Florida because I live it a lot. So palm trees, uh, we're in the middle of the state. We, we live in a, a on the end of what a dead end road. Angel knows me really well, so she got me a house. Uh, well, I'll share this. Uh, we were living in Broken Air, Oklahoma. We'd been renting a house because we both owned homes, but lost our spouses, so we were renting for about three years. She said, Joe, let's get a real home. I said, fine, go get one. You don't want to go? No, I'll mess it up. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not joking, I'm very serious, so I didn't go. And she called later today. She said, I found a house. I said, where? Where are we? Broken Arrow. She said, in the country. It's a great. So uh, it was a gated community. I did not know what that was. Uh, I lived in the country my whole life. Country, country with a K. So I don't know what a gated community is. So, so we, got, we had the biggest lot in there, and it was on a hill. And so uh, I had a big fence around it. And I said, well, we need to paint the fence. Can't just leave it raw like this. So. We'll paint the same color as the entrance to our gated community. So I went down and asked the guy, what color is that? So I bought the same paint. So I painted, then I, I wanted to put a pool in. Uh, we'd made some good money on the homes we'd sold. I said, I've never had a swimming pool. I'll swim in the river and in the lake and in the pond. I'd like to have a swimming pool. And so I'm going to put a swimming pool. So we took some fence off, the doors that came in and dug a big hole. So a neighbor lady walking by one day with the dog says, what are you doing? I said, we're putting in a pool. You can't put a pool. Well, yes, ma'am, I can. It's my house. And said, no, no, in this community, you cannot have a swimming pool. We don't allow swimming pools in this community. I said, ma'am, last time I read this is America. You can put a swimming pool anywhere you want to. <laughs> I'm not making a sense. She said, no, you can't. And we have, a, we have an agreement. I said, I didn't see an agreement. Well, they should have given you one. Go back down to the main office and said, can I not put a pool in? No, so you can't put a pool in. In my own home, in my own neighborhood, I can't put a pool? No. And by the way, you've got to take the paint off that wall. You can't put paint on any of the fences in there. You can't put paint on a fence. This is America. You put paint on anything. <laughs> and so $9,000 later, $9,000 later, I paid to have that paint stripped off that big old fence, both inside and out. Took it right back down to the raw wood. And I filled in that hole. A lot of dirt in that hole. <laughs> and I had to resod the yard. So $9,000 later, Angel got up and went, Joe, I'm moving to Florida. I said, I'm going with you. 
said, well, I'm going to sell the house. Fine. You don't mind? No, ma'am, I don't care. Well, we got a real estate agent, and that evening she listed, and it sold the next morning. Made a chunk of money on it because house prices were going up through the roof. So uh, we sold the house the next day. She said, well, I'm going to go to Florida and get a house. You want to go with me? No, I'll just mess it up. Go get us a house. And so two days later, she called Joe. I found us a house on a dead-end road on the north side of town. What does that mean? Well, the north side's the redneck side. The south side's the money side. So I said, well, good. Redneck side, I like that. She said, well, it's on a dead-end road. And said, but it's a big home. And uh, it's about 20 years old. uh, All white, painted, you know, with a big fence in the backyard. We're buffed up against a a reserve of some kind. We can't build anything. Got to protect the gators and the snakes and the skanky stuff. And so I said, well, and it's got a pool in the backyard. And you have your own office. I said, praise God. So you want to come see it? And I'll see it when we move in. So we got down there and moved in. <laughs> and so I have my own office. Got 12-foot ceilings, recessed lights, three glass doors. I sit at my desk. I look out my three glass doors onto my huge back porch and my swimming pool. And again, I never had a swimming pool. I'm just, I'm elated. <laughs> so we moved in in October. So I'm in the pool every day. Every day, a minimum two and a half hours every day I'm in that pool. I'm doing physical read stuff and get things back in shape, but, but I like swimming. I love swimming. And so I'm out there in December, and it's a little nippy and not cold, but you know, not, it's not 80 anymore. You know, it's like hovering around 70, 65. And so Angel comes out and says, you cold? I said, that's a little cool, but once you get in, you get used to it. So well, you're cold. Well, no, once you get used to it, just don't get out. Just stay in it until you get out, you know. And so the next day I'm in my office early in the morning and I heard some noise outside my office wall and I went outside my doors and and there are three men putting something in. I said, what are you guys doing? We're putting in a pool heater. I said, I didn't order a pool heater. Your wife did. When? This morning. Y'all not too busy? No, not right now. And so I went in and I asked, you bought a pool heater? What'd you pay for that? $3,000. Where'd you get the money for that? Well, I got an extra check from the sale of the house. They gave us an extra $3,000 for the house. So I got that check, so I spent it and put you in a pool heater. Okay. <laughs> and so I swim every day, every day. I keep the temperature at 87. I don't know if you know about pool heaters, but it's warm. It's warm. Some mornings you see steam coming off my pool. And <laughs> So is the pool too hot? No, ma'am, it's perfect. You get into it and you'll settle in like, yeah. And so I have my own heated pool. Now, the reason I do that is because I never choose anything. I, I let Angel choose everything. We're coming from five years of marriage. I've never picked a restaurant in five years of marriage. Never. Joe, where do you want to go eat? Wherever you're going to eat. What are you in the mood for? Food? <laughs> my, my mom ran the high school cafeteria for 30 years, and I love food. I don't care what it is, we'll dip it, fry it, cover it with gravy. I love food. And there's not a food I don't like. And uh, so, uh, so I've never picked a rest. I've never picked a vacation. So where you want to go? Want to go to the mountains or the ocean? I said, I don't care. I want to go where you're at. Well, what are you in the mood for? I'm in the mood to be with you. I like you, baby. And so when my first wife died, I made up my mind, you know, if I ever get remarried, because first marriage was hell the first three years. We yelled and screamed and hollered and threw stuff at each other. My buddies would ask me that I went to school with, 
what's wrong with your marriage? I said, I married a she-bear from hell. <laughs> and of course, in my family, when you married, you married until you dropped dead. You, we didn't believe in divorce. There's no divorce in our family. We had people mean it's not, not divorce. And so I'm stuck till Jesus comes to get me. I'm stuck. <laughs> well, we got born again spirit filled three years into marriage and it got better. And so for the next six years, we're working on the marriage, going to church and learning. So nine years of my first marriage, I'm sitting there, my wife's washing dishes one morning. I said, I just realized something. She turned and said, what? I said, you're not going to change, are you? She said, is that a revelation to you? I said, yes, it is. No, Joe, I'm not going to change. So, well, praise God. That's going to free up a lot of time. I've been wasting a lot of time trying to change you. If you're not going to change, I'll just start working on me. That'd be a good idea. So, the next 36 years, we had a great marriage. So, anyhow, my first wife went to heaven. After 45 years of marriage, got a brain tumor, and three months later, she's gone. And so I'm just numb. I, I only kissed one woman, only dated one woman. So I'm numb. So for six months, I cried nonstop. My kids said, you okay, Dad? I'd tell them, hey, just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. And so I woke up six weeks after my first wife died, and I heard God say to me, you don't have to believe this, but it's true. I heard God me, shut up, get up, and get busy. I said, okay. So your wife's not coming back. She's in heaven. She's having a good time. She's not thinking about you at all. Now, you don't have to believe that, but I'm telling you what God said. I said, well, I guess I'll get busy. So, so anyhow, uh, Angel and uh, I worked as couples. We worked on staff for she lost her husband. I lost my wife. So we started texting. We text once a month, about nine months. So finally one night she called. I said, hey, I hadn't heard that voice in a long time. We hadn't talked in 12 years. How you doing? I'm fine. We are living out in Florida. So we'd, we'd talk every night, like two or three hours on the phone. She's putting in 10-hour days. And, so at night we talked, and so we fell in love on the phone. And uh, then we finally got married, and I thought, well, let's just get married. I said, okay. I said, well, let's find somebody in town. I know all the pastors in town. I've lived there for 40-something years. I called some of my buddies married. So my pastor was out of town. Uh, my pastor friend at Guts Church, he was out of town. Pastor Willie was out of town. I thought, dear Lord, this must be a sign. <laughs> so I'm not making it. So she said, well, let's, let's go downtown and get just the peace to marry us. Went downtown, got their marriage license, said, well, we need to see your justice of the peace. Well, he's off today. <laughs> I'm not making this up. You can't make this up. So I thought, what are you trying to say some guy? So Angel's there in the yellow page of the phone book. She's trying to find somebody in the little areas. Well, she finds this lady in Broken Air, Oklahoma, in a gated community. So we call, hey, can you marry us? Yeah. Today? Yeah. Like in about 30 minutes? Yeah. Okay, we'll be there. So we push the buttons, get in the gated community. She gets a big old house, so she does several things. This lady, she, she raises dogs, little foo-foo dogs. And she has a, a thing that she does parties for kids. She has two big vans in her yard, uh, outside her yard, where they do balloons and clowns and whatever. And then, and then she does a backyard thing. And uh, so we knock on the door, she opens the door. She's barefoot, got a foo-foo dog on her arm. Can I help you? Just, and we called about getting married. Do you want the $50 wedding or the $200 wedding? And I said, well, what's the difference? Well, the $50 wedding, I'm just going to read some words and we'll sign the paper. Well, what's the $200 wedding? Well, we'll go out back, have some balloons and confetti. No, I don't need no $200 worth of confetti. I don't need <laughs> so we stayed in the lobby 
we've signed some stuff. She never read any words. We signed some stuff. Well, I need to have my husband notarize this. And he must have been upstairs. I hope she had a husband. I never saw him. She goes upstairs. She comes back and says, well, there it is. You're married. Okay. So anytime we stepped outside the front door, I said, we ought to say something. I do, you do, we did something. So we think about 60 seconds, prayed a little prayer, and then we went to a local one-owner cafe restaurant and had a honeymoon meal. It's still working. It worked real good. I think my first, my first marriage lasted 45 years for $10. This is $50. This thing's allowed to go forever. <laughs> marriage is nothing more than two ignorant people growing up together. You can date somebody for 20 years. The day you say I do, scales will fall from your eyes. You will like, oh dear God, what have I done? <laughs> you married into that crazy family and every nut and flake on the family tree is going with it. Because you know how it is you get married. Well, I'm marrying you, but I'm, we're not going to have them over. We're never going to have them over. Oh, they're going to come over. They're going to live with you for three years. You're going to support them. Because God's got a weird sense of humor. So everybody that's been married knows what I'm talking about. You marry your 180 degree opposite. Opposites attract. You know, it's like, it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. Opposites. Opposites sexually, mentally, educationally, academically, you're just so different. I've had somebody come to my office one time, been married 32 years, you want to get a divorce. I said, what's wrong? We're just not right for one another. We just don't agree on nothing. Oh dear God, you're perfect for one another. You're not supposed to agree on anything. That's why opposites attract. You see things they don't see. They hear things you don't hear. Opposites attract because you take your strength to cover the other person's weakness. But I have so many ignorant people. Brother Joe, will you marry us? We're so in love. No, you're blind as a bat and dumber than dirt. You, you have no clue. I doubt that you're going to make it through the honeymoon. You'll be fighting. You'll be fighting the next 24 hours because you're opposites and you're going to stay opposite. I was... I'd taken my wife to a seafood restaurant my whole life, every year on anniversary, because my dad took my mom to a seafood restaurant. Because we live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and there's no seafood there, so it was special. So we're in Melbourne, Florida, seafood restaurant, five-star restaurant. I've got four of my kids with me, two that flew down from college. So I got all six of my kids, we're in this personal dining area room, and I noticed my wife's not eating. I said, honey, your food okay? And she said, Joe, is this a good seafood restaurant? Yeah, baby, it's a five-star restaurant. Several days to get in here. I said, is the food not good? I just realized something. I said, what? I don't like seafood. <laughs> Honey, you've been eating for 30 years. Well, I figured you just couldn't find a good restaurant, but if this is a good one, I don't like seafood. I never have. <laughs> well, my kids are there, and they're staring at my two colleagues. Good Lord, Dad, you teach your marriage. Yeah, I got a whole new, whole new chapter going in my book. Opposites attract, and that's a gift from one another. So, with that in mind, I want to read something to you out of this book. Now, I got a lot of books on the book table out there. Well, not as many now, they're mostly gone. But my board would not let me put out a bad book. They pulled a lot of my books off my shelf when I got a board some 28 years ago and said, Joe, this is a dumb book. Get rid of this book. Oh, okay. How about this? Well, that one's good. Need to change a little bit, but that's good. And so my board pre-approves everything. So this is our book we have on marriage. You don't find a great marriage, you build one. 
you don't find the life, you build the life. And you build it from nothing. So nobody got lucky, nobody married anybody nice, there are no nice people. You married the Duke. <laughs> In the book that I'm out of on the table, which you still ordered, there's a great story. I collected a lot of biographies teaching those years, high school. 1874, 1874, state of New York had a problem. Prisons were overcrowded. New facilities could not be built fast enough. State officials didn't know what to do, so they hired a man named R.A. Dugdale to do some research. He came back with a fascinating report. I have no idea Dugdale's fate. I believe he's a Christian, but I can't prove it. Dugdale did a study of two families and their descendants over some six generations to see how the different lifestyles affected their children. The first half of the report was a family named Jukes, J-U-K-E-S. Both Max Jukes and his brother married sisters. According to his report, neither of them believed in Christian training. I just think they didn't go to church. They had 1,026 descendants. Because of their lifestyles, 300 of them died early. Many others suffered poor health. Among their descendants, 140 served an average of 13 years in each in prison. 190 were confirmed public prostitutes. 100 were confirmed alcoholics. Over a 100-year period, this family cost the state of New York $1.2 million. Well, that's not good. The second half of his report was a family named Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, if you remember any Christian in history, he was a preacher. And he married a girl of like belief, so I assume they're both Christians. Well, Edwards and his wife had 729 descendants over the same period of time. Of those, 300 were preachers, 65 were college professors, 13 were university presidents, 60 were authors, 3 were congressmen, 1 served as vice president of the United States, with the exception of a grandson named Aaron Burr who was hanged, the second family didn't cost the state of New York a single penny. Well, that's the family I want. I don't want my family costing me. Children are a gift from God. You're a gift from God. God gives you children. You train them up. You give them back to God. You're only here temporarily. Okay? You're not going to live here forever. Hurry up and grow up. So all my kids went to college. I made sure. None of my family went to college. Nobody in my family. My, my dad had 12 brothers and sisters. My father had 12 brothers and sisters. None of us, none of our family went to college. I was the first one to break that barrier. It took me seven years to get through a four-year school. We moved slow. <laughs> Thought all my kids are going to go to college. And they said, what are you going to major in? I don't care what you, I don't care if you major in water boiling or basket weaving, but you're going to go to school. You're going to get a diploma. You're going to hang it on the wall. Because most degrees are worthless. They are. But you know, have you ever been interviewed by a job? They'll ask, did you go to college? Yes. They don't even care where you went. Or what you majored in. They just went, did you go? Yeah. All right, that's good enough. And so, with that, and I thought, I'm going to get all my So, all of our kids, all eight of our children have, have degrees. They're all doing well they're in school. Uh, all my kids are in church. They pay their tithes. They go to church. They teach. They usher. They greet. But they're not perfect. I don't have any perfect kids because they had no perfect parents. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times a day, but they get back up. We're the getting back up people, not the perfect people. Every day we get to repent and forgive. Every day. If you're not repenting and forgiving on a daily basis, you are what we call spiritually constipated. <laughs> Nothing can move through you because you're full of stuff. <laughs> now, it's a short sermon, so I've got to get started. <laughs> Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is a story of Israel being, they've been down there 400 years in Egypt uh, for 
There's 30 pharaohs, 20 separate city pharaohs, three were country pharaohs. First time Israel goes to Egypt, there's a country pharaoh. Hey, I like you. I got sheep. You got sheep. I'll give you the land of Goshen. Go and prosper. Well, for three pharaohs, they prospered. City pharaoh took back over. We got too many of these people. We got to kill them all. So they passed the law, kill every baby Jewish boy two years of age and under. We got to kill them off. They're breeding like rabbits and you get too many of them. We're not going to be able to control them. So Israel cries out to God, we need to deliver. And he said, okay. So he had a lady get pregnant that evening. Now I'm going to say she pushes a baby out. They named him Moses. Well, Pharaoh's kicking in again. He's killing babies off again. So she hides the baby in a basket, floats him down the river. Pharaoh's daughter can't have a baby. Now the tabloids weren't printed yet, so nobody knew that. She can't get pregnant. So she finds this baby. She said, I'll tell her about this. This is my baby. Well, Moses' mother showed up and she said, who are you? Well, I'm a mother who's lost her child. She didn't lie. I've lost my baby, but my breasts are full of milk. I'd be glad to nurse that baby for you. So <laughs> Pharaoh's daughter hires Moses' mother to nurse Pharaoh. I mean, Moses. God's got a wacky sense of humor. So Moses grows up, Pharaoh's camp, 40 years of age, finds out who he is, runs off in the desert, 40 years, comes back to the 80-year-old man, got this big fancy stick and a lot of lice and frogs, and it's a great movie. <laughs> and so Pharaoh says, you got to get out of here. You got to get out. So he kicked them all out. So this is the scripture where we kicked them out. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus you have a parting of the water, which would never have been there had they not gone that way. God knows his kids. God knows you. God knows me. God knew us before our mother met our father. God knows our heart. He knows what we can do and what we can't do. God said he'll never put anything upon us that we cannot handle. God said in his word, I will never put anything upon that you cannot handle. So I don't care what you're going through this morning. There's a way out. I don't care what you're dealing with this morning. There's already a way out. There was a way out made before your mother met your dad. God saw you coming whether you were conceived legally or illegally. God saw you being born. God has all the days of your life written in the book in heaven. There's so many angels around you, you can't count them. God will order your steps, direct your path. God's all true. Show you things to come. Talk to you to go to sleep. We have it made. But you don't know, you don't know that unless you read the book. Because we came with a book. Volume 2 is not coming out. God's hanging with volume 1. You can go ahead and read it. So the volume says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. I don't care who your parents were. I don't care if you never finished school. I don't care if they kicked you out of school. I'm going to bless you and prosper you. I collected 1,206 biographies as a school administrator to teach the 10 years I worked as a school had a great Christian school, big Christian school. But I realized something. My kids are ignorant. They're born again in spiritual, but you don't know anything about Scripture. So I, I collected biographies of people who never finished school. All these 1,206 people never finished school. Some never even got into school. But they all turned out to be millionaires and billionaires. They're all millionaires and billionaires, but they never finished school. There's no excuse for not being successful. Well, if I'd only had a daddy, if I'd only had a mama, my coach had just played me, my teacher just passed me, if I just hadn't made a good grade, shut your face up. God loves to show off. So if you're a doofus, raise your hand up. Hey, God, right here you go. Here's a good candidate because God will show off in your life. But not if you don't think so. So that's why the devil shows up the minute you leave your mother's womb. The day you leave your mother's womb, hell starts lying to you. 
You're too short. You're too tall. You're too fat, too skinny. You're the wrong color. You're the wrong culture. You're not going to make it. Nobody likes you. Nobody loves you. You're worthless. You're, and it's, and it's, that's how hell operates. So you have to have a parent who's teaching you the Word of God. No, you're going to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Everything you set your hand is going to prosper. God's going to surround you with divine favor. People are going to like you not even know why they like you. It's in the Bible. But God needs somebody that will believe it. He's looking for somebody that will, can I find somebody that will believe my word? So I'll pick this one short story up. Here's the sermon. It's a short one. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Jesus, you know, all the scriptures about the virgin birth and you know, Mary conceived, the baby's born. Well, then Mary and Joseph got married and they have other kids. Now, some theologians don't agree with this. I go with the ones that do. Uh, Mary and Joseph had other kids. After Jesus, virgin birth, yeah, they had other kids. So they're going down to the tabernacle uh, every year for the eight-day festival. So they go to Jesus has been, this is 12th time down there. 12 times in a row he's been, he's 12 years old. They go down to the eight-day festival. It ends at noon on the eighth day. You gather everybody up. We've got to head back to town. Well, it's a long walk back to town. Now, you didn't have any state troopers or police. You're traveling in the caravan to protect one another from thugs, thieves, and robbers. So it ends at noon. You go about four hours before it gets dark. You make camp, put up the tent, you feed the camel, build the fire, get the food ready. So here's Major. Major, okay, Joseph, get the boys in here. It's time to eat. So he gets two boys in there. So where's Jesus? Well, I hollered for him. Well, go get him. Food's going to get cold. So he disappears. Hours go by, it gets dark, other kids are asleep. Joseph shows back up. Man says, where have you been? Well, I've been looking for Jesus. Well, get him in here, the food's cold. Well, he's not here. What? He's not here? Well, he's not here. I've been one in the camp twice, and he's not here. I think we left him in Jerusalem. You left the Son of God in Jerusalem? What kind of idiot father are you? Well, you're the mother. What kind of idiot mother are you? And they yelled all night. The Bible says there are not enough scripture pages to write all that down. <laughs> but they yelled all night long. Son comes up the next morning. They had two kids off. They head back to Jerusalem four hours back. So Jesus has been missing for 24 hours. The next three days, they're looking in Jerusalem. They don't have photographs. Hey, have you seen this kid? 12 years old. And <laughs> uh, what do you look for a 12-year-old kid? In the pool hall, the bowling alley, the movie theater? I don't know where they were looking. But three days go by and they can't find them. And they probably think, we're going to burn in hell. We're going to burn in hell. We've lost the Son of God. We're going to burn in hell. <laughs> and, I just say, and I'm sure it was just a, well, you know, we've not looked in the temple. You know, he's not normal. <laughs> and they walk in the temple. There sits Jesus as a 12-year-old kid astounding the religious leader with his questions and his answers. And Mary said, Mom's get mad. They always drag Dad in the conversation. Why have you done this to your father and I? Joseph doesn't care. Got the kid. Let's go home. We're already four days late. Why have you done this to your father? And the Bible says Jesus answered by saying this. Know ye not I need to be about my father's business? I don't know about you, Mom. I, need, I got stuff I need to be doing. What's he doing? He's trying to find out who he is. What? He didn't know. Well, he's heard all the stories about the wise man, the star, you know, and then Herod, and they went off to Egypt, and Herod died, and they came back. He's heard all the story, but he can't raise a dead goldfish. He probably didn't make his bed. Probably fights his younger brother, throw spitballs at him all the time. He's a normal kid. Jesus had to find out who he was, like you and I have to find out who we are. God didn't cheat when he sent his son to earth. And so, 
30 years later, Jesus and Joseph died. Jesus takes over the family business. They own the local Home Depot. And so you need any furniture, Home Depot makes it. Jesus and his family, they build door frames and bed posts and kitchen tables. They make it all. Boys come into the house 30 years later. Mom, we got a problem. What is it? Jesus is not down at the shop. People need their furniture. Well, where's he at? Well, he's in town. What do you mean? Well, there's weird stuff. There are eyeballs popping in. Hands are growing out. Dead people are waking up. They're going to kick us out of the synagogue. We got to go get them. It's in your Bible. I'm not making this up. So, so Mary goes in and says, Jesus is in the house. It's at night. House is packed like a sardine can. There are four guys on the roof taking the tiles off the Lord. They're crippled buddy down. They get close to Jesus so he can lay hands on him and heal him. And so a guy walks through all that mess. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brother's outside. They want you to come out and talk to them. And Jesus said, well, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Are there not these sitting here with me? And Mary heard it. She went, oh, I've lost it. No, you're not lost. He's just finding out who he is. So, you know, he's left off in the wilderness for 40 days, faced the devil. Three, it is written, it is written, it is written. Slaps the devil around like a pole with his head. And so he comes back into town. It's, it's his turn to read. They took turns reading the, the, the scroll, so it's his turn to read. Now, they sit on the floor in the temples over there. So they come in, and Jesus sits down. Well, they handed the book of Isaiah. And so they handed the book of Isaiah and said, okay, your turn to read Jesus. And Jesus reads the part of Isaiah where it talks about, I'm here to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. He reads the entire passage. He folds it up and he goes and sits down. And now two guys are talking. It's in your Bible. Two guys are talking. Man, we got to have him read more often. There's something about him when he reads that scripture. He reads that good. His buddy says, what did he say? Well, he said he's the one. The one what? The one he's reading about, the son of God. What? What? And all of a sudden they said, they thought, he thinks he's him. And the Bible says a riot broke out. They attacked Jesus in the temple. They drug him out of the temple to the edge of town to shove him off a cliff. What did he do? He just told the truth. The Bible says truth will set you free, but it'll stir up hell. <laughs> and so the Bible says Jesus walked through the midst of them. So in three and a half years, he had a great ministry. I'm trying to imagine CNN being around back then. They've been around forever. CNN shows up one day, hey, Jesus, been hearing a lot about you. What do you have planned today? Well, got a busy day planned. I want to put some eyeballs in a blind man's head this morning. They're going to get excited about that. Then at noon, I'm going into town today. I'm going to raise a dead kid at the funeral. They're going to write a song about that. Then later on this afternoon, I'm going here on the hillside and I'm to create 5,000 Happy Meals. They're going to get wound up about that one. I got a real busy day planned. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to heal the sick and raise the dead, cast out devils, feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, visit people in prison. I got a busy job. This morning, if you're here in church and you're a believer, we have the greatest job on this planet. We are the light and the salt of planet Earth. So don't feed on the negative. Feed on the book. Get busy doing what you're called to do. What's that? Love your neighbor. Start with your own family. Love your spouse. I don't love my spouse. Well, start practicing. Revelation chapter 2, the Bible says that the church at Ephesus was the greatest church. It got bragged on more than all the other six. God said, God's talking, man, I love you guys. You have sacrificed, done this, done this. Real proud of you. And so he said, but I have this one thing against you. They said, what? Yeah, I got this one thing against you. 
I thought you loved us. I do love you. We got one thing against what? You left your first love. What? Yeah, we first got together. You hung out with me. You sang to me. You talked to me. You prayed with me. You, you loved to be with me. But I blessed you, and then I haven't seen you in a while. Where'd you go? He said, you left your first love. What do we need to do? You need to repent that you fell out of love. You need to redo what you did when you were in love. So everybody that comes to see me, I, I can't counsel anymore. I'm not allowed to. I have to have a degree in counseling. I got two degrees, but none in counseling. So state of Oklahoma, I can only see for 30 minutes. I give you the first 15, I get the last 15. They come in, couples come in, and I only deal with Christians. Well, you know, and he said this, she said this, and he said that, and they, she did this, blah, 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 blah. Then about 15, two, man, they'll start cussing about 15 minutes into it. Okay, y'all calm down. It's my turn now. I don't care what you did, what you said, how you meant it, how you said it. I have no time machine. I could care less. I have a second ago. Your past is, doesn't matter to me. I care about where you're going. We can do something about your future, not about your past. Quit digging up dead stuff out of a graveyard. You always, you never, you should have, you could have. That's cheating. Your spouse doesn't have a time machine. They can't do that. Start building something going forward. Don't dig up dead stuff. Oh, that was good. <laughs> That's the end of my sermon. <laughs> Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Guys, the person you are married to is God's gift to you. They are not like you. They'll never be like you. You married your opposite. You married your 180 degree opposite. Well, dear Lord, we don't ever get along. I said, you're perfect. This one couple came in and married 32 years. We don't get along on nothing. I said, you're perfect with one another. You're a perfect match. Opposites attract. They're going to see what you don't see. They're going to hear what you don't hear. Opposites attract. So start honoring one another because of your differences. Don't gripe because you never, I don't know what you're thinking. Coach, you're not them. You don't think what they think. They think things you'll never think. They're going to see things you'll never see. They're going to know things you'll never know. Hug their necks. Thank God you're so different. I just thank God you're different as daylight and dark. That means the sun's always going to be up on one side or the other. So when you leave here in a little bit, don't... Don't say anything I said, or you'll be in a fight before you get in your car. <laughs> you leave here today, just look at one another and smile and wink. <laughs> I just saved somebody's marriage. Bow your heads. <laughs> Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Lord, we say thank you for our spouse. Thank you for that gift you've given us. Lord, help us to honor it. Help us to embrace it. Help us to nurture it, Father. We say thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed for 60 seconds. One short minute and we'll let you go. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Two questions. Are you here this morning? Say, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have never, ever asked him into my heart. But I think God's been dealing with me. Well, if that's you, I would like to pray a 30-second prayer out of Romans over you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. But if that's you, in just a few seconds, I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand, wave it at me, and put it right back down. I'm going to see it. God's going to see it. If you're willing to acknowledge this morning, you need a Savior. God in heaven will save you right where you stand. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. Or perhaps you're going to say, Joe, I've been saved, but I haven't been living for God lately. But I've been stirred this morning. I'm ready to get serious with Jesus. 
people, if that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer out of Romans we're going to pray with these other people. And God in heaven will forgive you every sin you've ever committed in a moment of time. He'll take your sin as far as the east is from the west. He'll take your sin and put it in the depths of the sea. There'll be no record of your sin in heaven. And God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from you. It will never get easier than this. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, said, Joe, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life for the first time this morning. Would you pray that prayer with me? Or Joe, that's me. I need to rededicate my life. If that's you on either count right now, would you simply get your head up and wave it at me and put it right back down? Joe, pray for me. Pray. I want to know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you there. Thank you back there. Thank you over there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you there. Thank you for your bonus. It'll never get easy than this. God does the saving. God does the forgiving. He just needs your permission. So anyone else before we pray, Joe, I'm not raising my hand yet. Please include me in your prayer. Anyone else? All right, thank you. All right, hands down, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you that raise your hands, we're going to pray with you. God's going to do the two greatest miracles he can do. He's going to save souls and forgive sins. So people, let's help them pray. Everybody in here say this with me together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me. And you raised him from the dead. I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for the hands that went up this morning, either for the first time ever, or as a simple reaffirmation of their faith in you. According to your holy word and their obedience as of right now, they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They're your sheep. You're their shepherd. They're going to hear your voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Lord, as they lead today, would you surround them with a shield of divine favor? May people begin to look at them with a new set of eyes. And Father, would you bring godly friends into their life that will strike iron and cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. We thank you for them in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.